Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. There's so much confusion regarding what we should and shouldn't be eating. Then there's the hidden chemicals, the antibiotics, and the pesticides. It can be quite frustrating. Joining us today is Vani Hari, one of the world's leading food activists. For over a decade, she's been on a mission to bring good, healthy food back to the table. The last time she was on the show, she gave us some tips on how to shop for our food and what to look for when eating out at restaurants. Today, she's going to teach us how to get our kitchen in order. Her new book, Food Babe Kitchen, is chock full of healthy information and delicious recipes. Put on your apron and get ready to take some notes. This culinary celebration starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a leading food activist and founder of foodbabe.com. Her investigative work has gained worldwide attention, influencing many Fortune 500 companies and major food giants to stop adding chemicals to their products. This list includes Kraft, General Mills, Subway, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, and Starbucks. Time Magazine named her one of the most influential people on the internet. Her print and media appearances include the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, and The Doctors. She's also the founder of Truvani, a company that offers whole food products without chemicals and toxins. Her first two books became international bestsellers. Her new book is called Food Babe Kitchen. Welcome back to the show, New York Times bestselling author, Vani Hari. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, it's great to have you back with us. Always a pleasure having you on the show. I love your new book. I've already tried a couple of the delicious recipes. Tell us what inspired you to write Food Babe Kitchen. Well, this is a book that's been in the making for uh, over five years. Actually, when I got a contract to write my first book, Food Babe Way, um, I got a two-book contract, actually. And the second book that was supposed to come out with that publisher was a cookbook. But when it was time to start working on it, um, the publisher said, you know, we only have budget to, to print it in black and white. And I was livid. I was like, no, I can't even imagine trying to convince the American public or the people out there to eat real food in black and white. And I just said that that was just not possible. So I begged my, uh, my book agents to get me out of that contract and they did. And we found a publisher that saw my vision and now it's finally come to life. And so this is literally something that I've wanted to out in the world for a very long time. And it's so exciting that it's happening now. I mean, the timing, you know, couldn't couldn't have been better. I mean, I'm eight months pregnant right now. But, yeah. um, you know, it's not obviously I, to be in the middle of a book launch and being that far along isn't always the best thing. But but I'm just so glad I was able to finish the cookbook and get it tested, which means, you know, recipe tested. We hired a, an ex-editor um, uh, from Bon Appetit to test every single recipe and make sure that everything, you know, was the correct measurement and tasted okay. And it was such a fun, involved process, not to mention getting all the photography for the, for the book. I mean, every single recipe has a photo, which was really important to me so that people know what their food should look like after it's done. And also, you know, when they see the picture, they're like, oh, that looks good. I want to make that. And, you know, really, I just want to inspire everyone to get back in their kitchens because cooking saved my life. 
when I taught myself how to cook is when during the time where I finally realized the health that I, um, you know, never thought was possible and stopped living life like a zombie, hooked on prescription drugs, feeling really bad about myself. And when I took back control of my food and started to make my own food in my kitchen and pick my own ingredients, um, that's when things started to really dramatically change. I lost all the weight, went off every single prescription drug, and it was the best thing that I ever did. And, and, and everyone needs to know how to cook. And so for the first 55 pages of Food Babe Kitchen, it's all about how to set up your kitchen to be the healthiest possible. Everything from your pots and your pans and what you're cooking with to how you store your food to how you reheat your food to what you're storing in your pantry, all of the different ingredients and products and choices you can make at the grocery store. I mean, I take someone through the entire grocery store every single aisle and show them what's a poor choice and a better choice and then also how to look out for misleading labels, um, and then having a list of ingredients that you can take out of your pantry right now, a purge list of yeah. cleaning out your pantry. Um, and I love that purge. Back up about the purge. That's so important because, you know, when we get an oil change, it's out with the old oil before we put the new one in. And your book recommends start by purging your pantry. And I'm curious, if you could choose the top three items found in most people's kitchen that belongs in the trash, what would you pick? Uh, corn oil, soy oil, canola oil, any kind of refined oil like that, throw it in the trash. You just don't need it. Um, that's number one. And number two, anything with artificial flavors. So artificial flavors, um, there's actually six that have been deemed recently linked to cancer by the FDA and others. Um, and that's, you know, something I just don't, any kind of artificial flavors shouldn't be in any of the products you have in your pantry. So any of the processed goods or home cooking goods that, you know, you have to help assist in different meals, definitely no. And then the other one is yeast extract. You know, yeast extract is a, is a name of um, that the food industry uses instead of monosodium glutamate now because MSG got a bad rap back in the day. So they changed the way that they were going to label MSG and use a different ingredient but has the same effect, which if you Google rats in MSG, you'll realize that uh, scientists, they actually feed MSG to rats to make them obese. So what it does is it creates an insatiable flavor in your brain, and so you eat more than you should. So it's definitely something you don't want to be cooking with or having any of the products. And you, you'll typically find this yeast extract in a lot of different spices and spice mixes and other things that you may have in your kitchen to help you create sauces or in dressings, things like that. So, and also chips, um, you know, Doritos, that's a big ingredient in Doritos. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I have homemade Doritos in my book, because my husband is a chipaholic, and uh, he helped me create that recipe. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to show people that they can make a yummy chip at home and, and, and have the same satisfaction as a, as a Dorito. And you won't eat the whole bag. <laughs> and that's, that's so important for people to crave those crunchy, something crunchy while they're watching the TV or just sitting home. And I'm guilty as charged. So that's, that's intriguing to me. One thing I noticed, your book has several recipes for desserts, cookies and cakes and even fudge, but you're not a fan of white processed sugar. What's a healthier substitute that you recommend for making desserts? Well, I love coconut palm sugar because it's, 
literally just the dried sap off of the coconut tree. And it's um, full of vitamins and minerals. And it also doesn't spike your blood insulin level like white refined sugar. So it's got a lot of benefits. Um, and it still tastes really great. Um, it's a great one-to-one substitute for any type of brown sugar in any of your typical recipes. But also, I just use it as even if a recipe calls for white sugar, I use coconut palm sugar because I think that's really, it, it keeps, you know, it, it keeps your blood sugar levels steady when you're eating some, you know, something decadent. And and the other thing I like to do when I make cakes and cookies is I use a flour that has a higher fat content. So something like um, almond flour, coconut flour, or um, or a flour that's not as refined like oat flour, which I actually grind myself. I just take steel-cut oats and stick it in my coffee grinder, and I make my own flour that way. That way it's never going rancid. Flour goes rancid really quickly. People yeah. don't realize that. So a lot of these flours I will store in my fridge. I know. Hopefully by now people have gotten the message uh, that artificial sweeteners aren't a healthier alternative to sugar. You've been preaching it for years. But now we have these natural sugar alternatives like stevia and monk fruit. And in your book, you share how a lot of popular brands actually contain chemicals. Some have been even linked to cancer. What should people be aware of when shopping for a healthier sugar alternative? Yeah, I mean, I think organic monk fruit is probably the healthiest in terms of the alternative sugars. Um, that don't have, you know, uh, loaded calorie content associated with them. But even that, I want people to recognize that when they're using an alternative sugar that doesn't have a calorie load, your brain is still getting the signal that it should be receiving calories. And so this is one of the problems with artificial sweeteners or even added sweeteners that don't have calories associated with it or very much nutrition associated with it is you get um, – you know, your brain basically says, hey, I'm eating something really sweet, but hey, there's not anything in here that's satisfying me nutritionally, so I'm going to continue to look for it elsewhere. So the, the, the ways that I would say an organic monk fruit could be used are, for example, our Truvani protein powder. You know, we have pea protein in there, chia seed protein, pumpkin seed protein, and so that protein in there is going to keep you satiated. And so we use a little bit of organic monk fruit to, to sweeten that. Now, that is like a great application for that. But if you're eating, like a, if you're drinking a Diet Coke, for example, with stevia or with some other artificial sweetener, you're getting zero calories with that um, drink and you're not getting that protein. You're not getting other nutrients that help your brain become satisfied. So that's where artificial sweeteners and added sweeteners I, I have a problem with because you need to make sure that when you're having any type of sugar, any type of sugar in your diet, um, it's usually at the end of the meal after you've already had your fruits and your vegetables and your healthy fats and your healthy proteins. And then you have a little bit of sugar so that your body can easily handle the load of the sugar. If it, it's eat, if it's, if you're having that sugar flavor um, with nothing in your stomach or by itself, you're going to really set up yourself for failure because you're going to eat more than you should. And that's really what we need to prevent um, considering the, the rises of uh, all the obesity-related diseases in this country. 
Yeah, and I love how you bring up, you know, have monk fruit as the primary ingredient, not the third on the list behind a bunch of chemicals. And, you know, I think that like, it goes back to your, your your label fraud. People, you know, they, they've, they've advertised monk fruit, and you look, well, yeah, it's a little bit in there, but <laughs> that's not considered monk fruit. That's right. Yeah. What advice do you share? A lot of people, you know, they, they hear about cooking books and recipes, and they use that four-letter word, time, as an excuse not to make home-cooked meals, and they, they find it easier to pop something in the microwave. What advice do you have to, to, that it's, they need to take this time? You know, I, I think, you know, what is really important for people to know is um, just because I'm the food babe, I don't like to spend a lot of time in the kitchen <laughs> at all. Um, I like to spend the least amount of time in the kitchen. I want to actually spend my time like being a food activist and writing and, and developing new products at Trivani and hanging out with my daughter and my husband and like doing, you know, traveling the world and doing all the other activities that I love to do. And not that traveling has happened lately, but so, you know, I'm not one to like, you know, want to spend all day in the kitchen. So I'm always looking for like the fastest way to make something that tastes amazing with the best ingredients. And that's what every, basically every recipe in Food Babe Kitchen is about. And it's not complicated. There's not a ton of ingredients for each recipe. Um, I want people to have like a basic stock of the, the basic spices, etc., in their kitchen to make these recipes. But once you've stocked your pantry with the good stuff, very easy to make these things and just get fruits, fresh fruits and vegetables each week. And it's, it's something that, you know, I really want people to know that they don't have to spend all day in the kitchen. Um, there's actually a recipe that I wanted to include in the book and I didn't include because it took me four days to make it. And that was homemade croissants. <laughs> I wanted to make it just like a French uh, pastry chef. And it takes four days. It really does. It does take four days. And that's why you pay, you know, to go to a bakery and eat a croissant because I tell you, it's, it's a lengthy process. And I, you know, if I didn't have the patience for it, I knew a lot of people wouldn't, so I said, you know, forget it, forget it. I'm not going to put that in the in the, in the book, even though it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, there's so many amazing, simple to make recipes in your book. I'm going to share a couple with the listeners. They need to hear this. It's, it's uh, you got sweet Asian salmon, grilled pineapple turkey burgers, cauliflower mac and cheese, eggplant parm, almond butter brownies. I mean, I'm getting hungry just reading these. I'm curious, do you have like a personal favorite one that you said, oh, that's got to be in the book. That's that's my number one fave. Well, there's one dessert that I'm super proud of that I made, which was for my daughter's third birthday. And it's just straw. It's a homemade strawberry cake. And, you know, when I was growing up, my best friend's favorite cake was strawberry. And every time her mom would pretty much go buy the Duncan Hines or the Betty Crocker box version with this strawberry cream cheese icing that's already made full of artificial food dyes. And, you know, we just didn't know better back then. And now we do. And I said to my daughter, I said, okay, we're going to figure out how to make this pink and we're going to make it from scratch and we're going to make it with all organic ingredients. And we figured it out and it just turned out so beautiful. It's one of my favorite pictures in the book. Um, Me and my daughter staring at this beautiful pink cake and it tastes amazing and it's made with great ingredients. Right. Fantastic. I know you're a big vocal advocate of avoiding chemicals in our food packaging and cookware, but you know, there's something that most people don't realize is this, what they store their food in could matter. Share with the listeners how certain containers could turn a healthy meal into toxic leftovers. 
Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people will buy a lot of Tupperware that's like made out of plastic. A lot of it has BPA, which is a chemical that can leach into your food that's linked to hormone disruption. Um, there's also a lot of other chemicals that are very problematic. And so what I like to store my food in is glass. And you can get a set of Pyrex dishes that have a little silicone top or a little plastic. The plastic top is fine because it's not actually touching the food on, on top of the Pyrex. But the, you know, the things that's like really like allowing the food to, to sit in that, in that container is all glass. And so it's not going to leach any additional flavor into your food or anything like that. And then you can also reheat your food in that glass dish, which I love. And I always reheat my food using my little mini um, my mini like uh, countertop oven. I don't even turn on my real oven that often because of my countertop oven is amazing. It's just this little Breville toaster oven. It also air fries and it's just great. And it, it does it so much quicker than my big oven. I'm saving energy. I'm saving time. And I'm also reheating my food slowly, maintaining the nutrients instead of using the microwave, which is really important. Yeah, I know you're 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 big about showing the um, the marketing that's out there. And one thing that my pet peeve is you see microwave safe, and then they, people believe that's well that's safe for the body if I heat that food up in the microwave. And uh, just because the plastic material doesn't melt in the microwave doesn't necessarily mean the chemicals aren't getting into the body, right? Right. Yeah, and speaking of microwaves, you don't use a microwave, as I've read that. Is that true? That is true. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Talk to us about pasta. I know something people automatically put into the delicious but not healthy category. What should we look for when buying pasta that's healthy? And a lot of people reach for that gluten-free pasta. Is that on your thumbs up list or thumbs down? Yeah, well, I don't really like the brown rice pasta that's out there, the gluten-free brown rice pasta, because I think just we don't need to be eating that much rice in general. A lot of the brown rice is specifically Alto is contaminated with arsenic. So I don't want to, if, you, if you're going to be eating pasta all the time, I wouldn't want you to eat brown rice pasta all the time. Once in a while, it's fine, but I wouldn't want you to eat that all the time. Um, what I prefer actually is, you know, either doing like an ink corn wheat um, that's organic, that, you know, hasn't been hybridized, isn't sprayed with Roundup. Um, that would be a really great option. But I also love pasta that's made out of lentils and chickpeas. There's a lot of different brands that are doing that right now. My favorite is Tolerant. And they have little macaroni shapes and penne and rotini. And my daughter just loves that pasta. And, and you know, mixed with a really good sauce or even with, you know, making like a macaroni and cheese using those noodles really ups the nutritional quality of your meal because you're getting all of that protein and fiber from the lentils and the chickpeas. And um, it's keeping you full and satisfied and you're not, again, eating more than you should because you're not just eating white flour pasta. Yeah, lentil pasta, it's something I've just recently been turned on to. And boy, I love it. It is, it's really good. Some of these uh, other type of uh, gluten-free pastas just, uh, I don't know, it's like chewing gum, <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> it's just so chewy and, 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 and starchy. But that lentil pasta is like, this is like thumbs up on there. Uh, I do know that you're a big, longtime advocate of reading food labels. And after our listeners purge their pantry and they remove all that bad stuff, can you share any tips, maybe someone who's not heard you before, before on how to decipher labels that are really designed to deceive us? 
Yeah, you know, I think what's really important about reading labels is that you recognize all the ingredients. And if you don't, you put the product back on the shelf or you go find out what that ingredient is. And so I have a very special technique that I think is a very simple thing to remember, but is very profound when it comes to actually doing it. And and it's basically called the three question detox. And it was at the end of my last book, Feeding You Lies, and I put it at the beginning of this book because it's so important. Every time you sit down to eat, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. What are the ingredients? Are these ingredients nutritious? And where do the ingredients come from? Those three questions, if you ask yourself about everything you're eating every single day, you will not only become your own nutritionist and your own food expert, because if you don't know the answer to those questions, you'll go find out or Google it or read a book or maybe reference one of my books, um, you know, Food Babe Way or Feeding You Lies or Food Babe Kitchen, um, where you can find a lot of this information um, or foodbabe.com. But you will also start to eat better because you'll be cautious, you know, conscious of what you're actually eating. So, for example, you know, if you sit down and eat a piece of bread and it's a, you know, a nature's own bread that you've bought year after year or Arnold or let's say Pepperidge Farm and you look at the ingredients and you see the word monodiglycerides on there. Hmm. You might wonder like, okay, um, I don't really know what that means. So let me look that up. And I have a glossary actually in Food Babe Kitchen, but I also have a glossary in Feeding Lies and on, online for free that people can go look up these in chemicals and see what they really are and what risks associated with them are. And you can Google this too. You don't even have to use my website. But say you Google it and you find out, oh, this is like an emulsifier ingredient that also contains trans fats. Whoa, this is something that maybe I shouldn't be eating. And so that automatically kind of answers the next question, which is, are these ingredients nutritious? Well, monodiglycerides are definitely not nutritious. They're not there for a nutritional purpose. They're really there for the food industry to process bread faster and cheaper and put it on the shelf so it lasts longer. Um, And then you ask the third question, you know, where do these ingredients come from? And it's like, you know, it's made in a laboratory, it's chemical, man-made chemical that the food industry used to, to put in our bread. So these are the things that I want people to sit down and think about every time they eat, so that they, you know, become their own health food expert. You don't need to be an expert at nutrition or um, at medicine or anything. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know about food. It's very simple. Actually, the only people who have made food complicated are the food scientists themselves that have created these chemicals over the last 50 or so years. You know, if you look at the majority of chemicals created in the last 50 years, majority of them, I'd say probably 98% of them, maybe probably 99% of them, have been invented for one sole purpose, and that's to improve the bottom line of the food industry, not improve our health. They're not there for nutritional reasons. They're there to make the food industry money. Well said. Time flies by every time you're with us. And the minute we have left, anything else you want to share about Food Babe Kitchen that we didn't have time to cover today? Absolutely. So I want everyone to know um, it was so exciting. You know, it hit the New York Times bestseller list the first week it came out, and we completely sold out. Well, it's back in stock now, and you can get your copy in time for Christmas and the holidays, and I'm giving away a free gift if you come over to foodbabekitchen.com. 
when you get your copy, you can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Books a Million, etc. And um, would love for you guys to join the Food Babe Army. Thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. I love your new book. I hope everybody listening gets a copy of Food Babe Kitchen. You can do that by going to foodbabekitchen.com. And to stay up to date with all the latest from Bonnie Hari, go to foodbabe.com. And be sure and check out her latest blog post, Healthy Recipes and Video Library. Also, sign up for her free weekly newsletter so you can stay up to date with all the latest food news that you can use. You can follow Bonnie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at FoodBabe. And for my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, follow me at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Bonnie share something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast, available to yougoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com. And while you're there, be sure and check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. This information is just too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.